All right. Another episode of the James Arnold Taylor podcast. The Jatcast. Talking to myself. Because I'm talking to myself. Is anybody listening? Hello? I could be talking to somebody else. Hey, you know. I always feel this. There's a, there's a little pressure. There's a little pressure each time to have something unique, something funny at the beginning of the show. Me talking to some of my characters. Who do I talk to? What do I say? Do I bring in Billy? Billy! Yes? Hey, come in here. Bye, just a minute. Just a minute? I, hey, come on. What? Hank is something. What? I can't. I can't understand you. Come in here, Billy. Nobody's listening to me. Hey, Hank. What? Come in here. Okay. I. I. I don't understand why nobody is coming in, and I can't understand anything they're saying. Oh, Mister Announcer Guy. Just a minute, James. Everybody. No. Okay. So nobody's coming in. Why? Is nobody coming in? Hey, Reginald! Right. Just a minute. Just a minute? I'll call you Reggie. Stop it. All right. Um, well, everybody, welcome to the James Arnold Taylor podcast. This, this is why sometimes I feel like I need to just start the show on my own. I guess I could call, I could call my agent, Franklin. I could call Ferris. I could call a lot of different people. Let's call, let's call Franklin and see if he's there. Yeah. Hello. Oh, hi, Brian. Hobby, Hobby. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, we get it. Hey, Brian, is your dad available? What do you mean? Like, is he single? No, I don't mean like available, like dating available. I mean, you're not his type. Ah ha ha ha! Come on, let me uh, let me talk to your dad. All right, just Matt. Dad. What? Dad. I said what? Obi, Jad. What's that? Jad, your client. Jad. Oh, he's on the phone. Oh, okay, go give me the phone. All right, go. Give me the phone. All right. Give me the phone. Why does it take you? Why do you guys struggle with the phone so much? I don't know. He, he won't let go. I don't know. Anyways, hello, darling. Hello, Franklin. What's up? What are you calling? Something wrong? What's going on? No, nothing. No. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I was saying nothing's wrong, but the, the truth is, is that here I'm starting an episode of the podcast. Am I on the show? Yes, you're on the show. Let's not start that. You're on the show. Everybody knows that people like you. People like your voice. They like you. Really? Oh, do you think I should do my own podcast? No, 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 that's not what. Okay. I was trying to get everybody to come in for the show and nobody's coming in. And so I thought, well, I'll call you and see, uh, you know. If you can help me kick off this week's show. Oh, oh, let me, I want, I've, I've always wanted to be an interviewer. Let me, let me interview you. Let me see, let me see what uh, I can do, interview you for the show. Okay. You want to interview? Oh, well, that's not a bad idea. Okay, fine. Sure. Yeah. So go ahead. Okay. Let me, let me start. Do you have like some music or something? Yeah. Let me, um, no, hang on. Hey, Jerry, Jerry, the music man. Just a minute, James. Okay. Nobody, nobody, everybody, they're all, what are they? You know, there better be like a surprise party they're planning for me because nobody is coming in here. I need some music for Franklin. Pick something. You, you want me to pick something? Okay, all right, fine. I'll pick something. Okay, Franklin. 
Hurry up. This is taking a long time. I know. Well, okay, hang on. Here, uh, let me let me just choose. Let's try that. Yeah, what do you think? That's kind of that's kind of Franklin-y. What do you think? I think, uh, yeah. Ooh, I like it. Ooh, I like it so much, I toot. Would you st- stop that? All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. It's Franklin, and it's my Hollywood corner. And today, I'm going to interview the voice acting legend and superstar, the star of the Obi Shinobi, and all of those things. Obi-Wan Kenobi. What did I say? You, Obi Shinobi. What are you, like, Hank? Anyways, don't interrupt, don't, don't, don't interrupt my, my, my flow. All right, go ahead. The voice of the Ratchets and all the other the Final Fantasy. Ha, 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 Brian, do the laugh. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Would you guys both just stop it? Get on with it. Okay, sorry. Brian, shut up. The star of 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 stage and screen. That doesn't. I don't, I'm I'm a voice actor, Franklin. I don't have stage and screen. Anyways, here he is. My interview with James Arnold Tyler. Taylor. Taylor. What did I say? Tyler. Steve Tyler. No, not Steve Tyler. Now you're not even making sense. Hello, darling. What? Oh, so now we're starting the interview? Yes. Hello, darling. Hello, Franklin. Thank you for having me on your show. Your show? You're on the phone, too. That's kind of weird. It's my superstar Hollywood corner. And so tell me what it's like. You have been in in, uh, the voice industries for centuries. Not centuries. I'm not that old. A long time. A long time. A long time ago in a studio far, far away. (laughs) Oh, I do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes, I get it. Ha ha. Obi-Wan Kenobi, long time ago. Studio. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Well, the Star Wars reference. What? That a long time ago thing. That was a Star Wars reference. No. What? I don't. Okay. Anyways, tell me what it's like being a voice actor. That's your question. Okay. Well, um, well, it's, it's a challenge. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's uh, inspiring. It's, it's everything. Okay. You're going on too long. Okay. Well, hang on. Hey, you asked me to answer a question. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta keep it concise. What do you mean you keep it concise? I, I was answering the question. I was. No, 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 no. You just say, I ask you a question. What is it like to be a Hollywood uh, voice actor, superstar? And you say, oh, it's good. That, but that, okay, I can say, oh, it's good, but there's more to it than that. Like what? Well, like I was saying, it's, it's fun, it's an adventure, it's always different every. No, 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 stop, stop. What? You're going on too long. You gotta learn to get, get the shorter, shorter little. Uh, you gotta speak in sound bites. That's what they always say: speaking sound bites. Okay, all right. Let's try it again then. Ask me what it's like. What's it like being a superstar Hollywood voice actor? It's great. Can you expand on that? <laughs> well, you just said not to. You said to... I know, but then that's where that's so I can then say, can you expand on that? And then you go a little more there. All right. Well, you know, so like I was saying, it's it's um, a challenge sometimes when you go into a studio. You never know what to... Okay, stop. You're going too long. Okay. It's it's a challenge sometimes. Why is that? Okay. Okay. Because you never know what to expect when you go into the room and you always will have different scripts. You're going out too long. I'm going to fall asleep. Too long, too long, too long, too long. Okay. It's a challenge because you never know what to expect. Why is it a challenge? Why don't you know what to expect? 
You know, if you had just let me answer this question, I would have been done with it, and then we could have moved on to the next question. I don't have the next question. Well, okay. So what, you're, you're making it up as you go along? Yeah, but this whole thing, I mean, you, you called me. I was just sitting there watching Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives? That's not even on the air anymore. I have it on the, on the, the, the hooky-doo. What, what is that? You know the little boxy thing in the... Brian, what's the hooky-doo called? Apple TV. Yeah, the apples. I, I, I like pears better, though. Okay, all right, frankly. So you're watching Desperate Housewives. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, um, I, I appreciate you interviewing me. I mean, do you want to... You wanna, shall we wrap this up, though, at least? Okay, yeah. Oh, oh, big... This is my, my big question. The ending question said, here we go. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Remember, concise. Be concise. Yeah, okay, I get it. Concise, yes. Okay. What's your favorite voice? Oh, really? You're going to ask me what my favorite voice is? What's your favorite voice? Franklin, you know that this question, I get asked this question all the time. What's your favorite voice? This question is one of those ones where it's like, I can't really have an answer. Okay, you're going too long. Okay, stop. Uh, Let me just answer it. The answer is, I have no favorite. I love them all. And whichever one I'm doing at the time is my favorite. Oh, that's so good. I like that. Whichever one you're doing at the time is your favorite. Yes. So you're my favorite now. What do you mean? Nothing. Okay. I got to go back to Desperate Housewives. It's a commercial break. Commercial break? You have it on the thing. There's no commercials. No, I, I love commercials. I miss the commercials. So I have Brian then act out a commercial. Hurry up. It's stupid. Say the, say the line. What's that? It's dishwashing liquid. You're soaking in it. Palm olive? Yeah, it's wonderful. Is it mild? It's more than mild. There's soap and there's soap and it gets on your hands and makes it good. Okay, guys, I don't want to hear your commercial for Palm olive that's from like the 70s that nobody listening to this show is going to even get. Let's do commercial for Rolos. You can roll a Rolo to your pal. Chocolate covered caramel. Roll a Rolo to your chum. A chewy and a chocolate and lots of fun. All right, guys, guys. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, Franklin. No, no, that's my line. Okay, go ahead. Thank you for being on my Hollywood corner. Thank you for being there, James Arnold Tyler. Taylor. Whatever. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Loser. <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. It's uh, the James Arnold Taylor podcast. Welcome, everybody. Had a little pre-interview with uh, Franklin there, my agent. And uh, let's see, uh, Billy! Okay, fine, forget it. Don't even come in. What do you, what do you mean, don't, don't come in? Oh, now you come in because I say don't come in? Well, I was trying to give you your space. Trying to give me my space? What does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, we come in and we do all this stuff in the show and then we kind of get in your way. You don't get in my way, Billy. You're fine. You're my intern. I love having you here. Really? Yes, of course. Oh, and was, oh what, 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 are you do, what are you doing, Billy? Oh, you're getting a hug. Okay, Billy, Okay, thank you. That was nice, but you don't need to hug me like that, okay? And you hugged my head. Well, I just, I was, I was, that was very nice. Okay. So you were all not coming in on purpose? Yeah, no, I thought it was better if we didn't disturb you and we let you just come up and do your podcast thing and not disturb your podcast. Yes, but I was calling all of you, asking you to come in. Well, it was actually Hank's idea. Oh, I get it. Hey, Hank. Well, I can't come out on Okay. Too bad. I guess I'll eat this onion sandwich on my own. Hello, 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 onion sandwich. Oh, that's how I get you in? 
Well, yeah, well, I don't see, I don't see no onion sandwich, though. No, that's because there is no onion sandwich. I was just trying to get you in the room. Well, you know, no, we decided we weren't going to give you, we were going to let you have your space when you do your podcast. Yeah, but the whole point of you guys here in my house is to help me with the podcast. You're the engineer for the podcast. Yeah, but, you know. No, actually, actually, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a little strange, but okay, fine. You guys don't want to be here? That's fine, but can we get, can you, can you tell Mr. Announcer Guy it's okay to come in because he needs to introduce the show? Yeah, okay, look at that. Hey, Mr. Announcer Guy! Yes, Hank? Come on in, it's okay! Hello, James. You know, it wasn't my idea. No, I know, Mr. Announcer Guy, I'm not blaming you. They said that you needed your space. No, no, no. Uh, do you mind uh, just introducing the show, though? It would be my pleasure. Welcome to Talking to Myself, the Jetcast. Starring James Arnold Taylor. Well, that was a short intro today. Yeah, short and sweet. Just like you. What? Nothing. I told him to say that. Okay, okay. All right. Billy? Yes? Hank? Yeah. You guys can leave now. See, I told you you didn't want us in here. Oh, no, have you got... No, 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 I'm not going to tell you. All right, all right, go, go, go. Thank you, Mr. Announcer Guy. You're welcome, James. We'll see you at the end of the show. Unless I see you first. What's that? I don't know. I was trying to be like you. All right. I'm going to go now. Goodbye. Um, okay, so it is the James Arnold Taylor podcast. You know, I had a, a great time last week. I was in uh, uh, Seattle, and I went to Emerald City Comic Con, and I did the the big con, the multi-con as well, the uh, virtual reality con. And I hope uh, some of you joined me on that. I hope it was fun. And the truth is, is that I'm recording this before I actually go there. So I don't know if I had a good time or not. <laughs> I'm sure I had a good time and I'm sure I met many of you. And I, I would talk about my experience meeting you. But this show is before that is actually happening, but it's playing after the fact. So, you know, there you go. Great, Scott Marty. No, it's James. Great, Scott James. Yes, Doc. Well, wait a second, Doc. This is heavy. There you go again, sounding just like Marty. I do my best. Actually, I thought I sounded a little bit more like Stuart Little. Stuart who? Stuart Little. It's the same. Anyways. Or Milo Thatch. Hey, you know, now there's a thought. Now, some of you, uh, many, many people, actually, it's funny. So, Atlantis, The Lost Empire was a movie that came out, and that starred Michael J. Fox as Milo Thatch. Then there was going to be a TV show. Uh, called Atlantis and what happened was we we recorded 18 episodes of the show and then the movie came out and didn't do as well as Disney had hoped so Disney decided to just make it a straight to DVD sequel so they took three episodes of the 18 that we recorded and turned them into a sequel called Atlantis Milo's Return and I was the one that voiced Milo in that instead of Michael J. Fox Fun story. There's a there's a fun Hollywood story. You guys want to hear a Hollywood story? Okay, I envisioned you said yes. This was uh, very early on in my career. This was in uh, what, like 2000 or so. Yeah, 2000, 2001 maybe. Not even. Yeah. And uh, no, I guess it was like 2000, 99 or 2000. I don't know. Anyways, okay. So uh, they were they were making uh, they were making this um, movie, Atlantis: The Lost Empire. 
and Michael J. Fox was a star, and I had already been doing, you know, some of Michael J. Fox's doubling for Stuart Little and things. And so, uh, word got out to Disney, and then, because I had been doing some stuff for, like, California Adventure at Disneyland and everything, and when we were doing that, I remember talking with somebody there about how I had done some of Michael J. Fox's doubling, and they're like, yeah, you do sound like Michael J. Fox, and you can do that. Okay, great. And I had always done Michael J. Fox's voice in my stand-up comedy. I, I, so when I was a stand-up, when I was younger, I had these routines and I would do impressions and I would do, you know, a lot of the stuff that, not really the same thing that is in my stage show, but in that same kind of vein, you know, of just uh, voices and things. I would do Doc and Marty and different things. So anyways, word got to Disney that I do Michael J. Fox and they had liked working with me in the past. And so they had me audition for Milo. And then I did some of Milo's stuff for the games, the the movie, the pre-movie stuff. So I did all the games and all the toys. And and in some of the games, they would take my voice and they would take Michael J. Fox's and they would cut me in in the middle of sentences and stuff. So it was really like I, I needed to really sound like him. The funny thing is, is I listened to some of it and I think, boy, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't know if I sound all that much like him. I think naturally we have a very similar kind of way but um, but personally, I don't always hear it. You know, I have to really kind of work at it. It's a, it's a tricky one in that because he does have some parts. Like, so AJ Lacasio, who is a very talented young voice actor, he did his, uh, Michael's voice in the Back to the Future video games. Now, I was originally uh, approached about doing it. And then AJ came in and, and just knocked it out of the park. He sent them this audition where he was recreating the scene, you know, the, the bruise, the bruise on your head. I know how you got it. You were, you were uh, hanging a clock, you were on your toilet and you slipped and you fell and you hit your head. And that's when you came up with the idea for the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. That whole scene, he like recreated that. And, uh, and, and AJ is brilliant at doing Michael's voice. I say he's better than Michael is at doing Michael's voice now. So, uh, and it was funny because back then, and I'm jumping around here, sorry, uh, when the game came out, so I, I did Dr. Emmett Brown, I did Young Doc, and AJ, like, reached out to me and said, I hope you're not mad. I'm like, mad? What are you, crazy, man? See, you know, voice actors, we try to be very uh, um, helpful to each other. We don't, you know, there's like, there's no point in me getting upset somebody else got the job if they sound better than me, you know, if they don't sound better than me, I might be a little upset, but no, I mean, he knocked it out of the park and I was Doc Brown, which was the character I wanted to be anyways. So me and Christopher Lloyd both did Doc in that I did the young version and he did the older version. And then I actually did do some of the older version as well. If you play the game, hopefully you don't know the difference. There's some pickup lines and some different sounds and things that needed to be done as Doc. And it was me instead of uh, Chris, but anyways, Oh, and then the other thing is on the game, very little known fact. I've only mentioned it in a couple places in the game. If you've played all of the back to future game, you know that Marty comes back. Sorry, spoiler alert, uh, comes and visits you as 40 year old Marty. And so they thought it'd be fun if I played older Marty to AJ's younger Marty. So I recorded all the lines of Marty McFly in his forties coming back from the future to visit young Marty. They had me record all of them. And then they got Michael J. Fox to come in and actually do it, which, you know, well, how am I going to argue with that? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, which leads me to the story that I'm actually going to be talking about here in a second, jumping back to the Atlantis stuff. So let, well, okay. So, uh, but back even farther, back to 1999 or whatever. And I'm doing this uh, Atlantis stuff. 
and they decide they're going to make a TV show out of it while they're still making the movie because they're really expecting the movie to do well and, you know, all this. And they'll have this, you know, television series like they did with a lot of shows. They, they had me audition for it. And I remember I'm driving home one day and my wife calls me and says, you know, so your agent's called because my wife is my manager. So she deals with the agents. And she says, it's between you and one other person for the show, for Milo on the show. And I said, really? Do they, do you know, did they say who it was? And she said, yeah, it's Michael J. Fox. <laughs> and I went, well, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't foresee me getting this show then. And, and she said, well, they don't know if Michael's going to do it or not. But, uh, and at the time he was, you know, it was still relatively new, his announcement of, of Parkinson's and such. And I think he was really trying to find his, his place in, in the world of voiceover and doing other things. And so, you know, we didn't know if he was going to do the show. And so he decided not to do the show. So I was the only person not from the film uh, to do a voice in it, except for Jim Varney, who had already passed away. And so there was a fellow that came in and did the voice for him in that. It was Stephen Barr did uh, took over for Jim Varney as the voice of Cookie. So we were the only two that were not. So the rest of the cast was, you know, Cree Summer, who played Kida. And Cree is, of course, a good friend of mine and a very talented voice actress. But you may know her from her on-camera work as well, like on A Different World and such. And she's done all sorts of stuff. But she's really primarily a voice actress now. And she was she was my princess. She was Princess Kida. And then John Mahoney was Whitmore and Jacqueline Obradors. And uh, Jackie played Audrey. And the funny thing is Jackie's son is uh, Joaquin. He's an actor now. And he is on uh, This Is Us. And he plays young Jack Pearson, if you know the show This Is Us. So he plays the young, the little kid version of him. And that's Jackie, who I worked with on Milo's uh, return, Atlantis, uh, her son, and they live out here and we're all part of the same homeschool group. It's fun. Now, one of the coolest things in the world uh, was, well, there were several things. So also the rest of the cast, Don Novello as Vinny. Now, Don Novello played Father Guido Sarducci on Saturday Night Live when I grew up. And I was such a huge fan of Don Novello. And he played Vinny, the explosives expert on Atlantis. And so he was on the show as well. And he was hysterical. He was such a great guy. So fun, so nice, so great to work with. He, signed, he had written a book and he signed it for me and stuff is great. And this was the first time I worked with Corey Burton, legendary voice actor, Corey Burton, who I just, uh, just adore. And he was so great. And it was also the first time I worked with Frank Welker. Frank Welker, uh, the voiceover god, as we call him. And Phil Morris. Phil, now you may know Phil from uh, Seinfeld. If you know Seinfeld, he played Jackie Childs, the, uh, the attorney. You put the bomb on? Who told you to put the bomb on? I didn't tell you to put the bomb on. Do you even know what a bomb does? Uh, so he was very funny, but Phil is also a good friend now. So we all became very good friends and uh, good folks. And it was just, uh, it was a delightful show to work on. And that's also where I met my dear friend, Tom Wilson, Thomas F. Wilson played Carnaby on that. And uh, of course you would know Tom from uh, back to the future as well, of course. And so it was funny because I was playing Michael J. Fox's part and Tom was in the show. And so I said to him, when, when I met him, I said, I'm sure you were expecting, you know, to get to work with Michael. And he said, no, I expected some hack to be doing his voice like you. <laughs> and and from that point on, we were fast friends. And so uh, there you go. But uh, yes, Milo Thatch, Milo's return. There you go. That was, look at this tangent I went off on. 
So we recorded 18 episodes of that. I got to work as it would. The great thing about it was that we recorded 18 episodes. The sad thing is they're sitting in a hard drive somewhere in a Disney vault and no one will ever see them. You know, you'll never see the light of day. There were some great stories. What it was supposed to be was a a weekly show, kind of like Scooby-Doo meets the X-Files. It was supposed to be a little more, you know, for uh, older kids, a little more mysterious and all these kind of things. And Milo and Keita and them were searching for all these lost pieces of Atlantis that had surfaced up on the uh, surface world, up on Earth. And we had a great time recording it. It was uh, it was just so much fun. And I got to work with so many amazing people from, uh, you know, Clancy Brown to Bill Fogerbachy, uh, like I say, Tom Wilson, Jeff Bennett, Sheena Easton was one of the first people I worked with. She was the first person the first day at work. She was, her and I were the first people to arrive. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's Sheena Easton. I had such a crush on her as a young boy. It was uh, crazy. So I was like, wow. And I got to work with uh, George Takei and I got to work with, I mean, just all sorts of people that came in and did various episodes of the show. Each week we had different, you know, celebrity guest stars and stuff because it was a Disney cartoon. And it was directed by Greg Weissman, who you all may know from Gargoyles and from Spectacular Spider-Man fame. And Greg is fantastic, and Young Justice as well. And Greg and I have been friends ever since, but it was wonderful because this was the places where I first met. And Henry Gilroy and Tad Stones. Henry, of course, wrote uh, many episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And Tad Stones, you know, from uh, Gargoyles and all these shows as well. And so this really wonderful group of people to work with. So much fun. And it just became one episode. And you can kind of tell when you watch Atlantis Milo's Return that it's three separate episodes put together into one mystery, you know, piece or whatever, you know, it's like all the three different mysteries into one movie. But uh, yeah, so originally it was, it was kind of like the Clone Wars before the Clone Wars. So when we made the Clone Wars TV series, the first three or four episodes got taken and turned into the Clone Wars movie. The, the story is, is that George was watching what we were doing and watching, you know, what had been done and the animation and everything is, this is so good. This should be a movie. Now people, you know, had their opinions of the movie, the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars movie. And yes, now I'm moving away from Atlantis, Milo's return to Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the film, but the, both of them were the same thing where we recorded three episodes or four episodes and turned them into one film that happens from time to time. And now people always go, well, George, you know, you probably should have waited to make a movie and everything, but you know, here's the thing. Here's the brilliant thing about it. And I I believe Tom Kane, the voice of Yoda and the narrator on uh, the Clone Wars brought this up. It's like George was basically doing that for one, because yeah, he thought it was good enough to be a movie, but also he knew it was great advertising for the TV show. And, you know, here's this movie and then the movie comes out and you go to do press and you say, well, we've actually have a, a, a TV show coming out now, too. And then so you you double up on you save money on your press for your TV show and you do that. And it was, well, it was very clever on on George Lucas's part. He's a very clever businessman, very shrewd businessman. So there you go. But oh, so like to jump back to Atlantis then from the Clone Wars, Atlantis Milo's Return didn't come out. Look at that. It didn't come out until 2003. That was way after the fact. We had recorded that stuff for a long time. Yeah, it was, yeah, it uh, it was way after. And that's the way it works so often where you record something and then it doesn't come out for a year or two years. I mean, there's a movie, Animal Crackers, that I've done that uh, 
we recorded and was finished in 2017. But the the hope is, and that's the movie I've done with my daughter, and Ian McKellen and John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and Patrick Warburton and Gilbert Gottfried and Sylvester Stallone and Raven Simone and Wallace Shawn and Harry Firestein and Tara Strong. So many amazing people in this movie, Animal Crackers, it's going to be coming out. It is going to come out now. Uh, we're hoping for September. So you'll all finally get to see it. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think it would be amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait for that movie to be out so everybody can actually see it. There you go. So we're just kind of telling little stories here on the James Arnold Taylor podcast today. Just kind of fun. Fun to uh, look back and uh, talk about various things that have happened within my career. It's a strange career because you wake up. What, what happens for me is I still think about it all as back in the 90s when I started. So the very first thing I did, well, the very, very first stuff I did was way back uh, in 1991. 1990, 1991 was when I started my first voiceover jobs. And I had been doing radio previously. I, I was, I've been in radio since I was 17. So you can do the math there. What was that? Uh, 1988 or something uh, that I got into. 87, 88. I got into radio and stand-up comedy. And then... From there, though, uh, yeah, so Jimmy Messina, there's a Kenny Loggins. Everybody know Kenny Loggins, you know, uh, wrote many soundtracks, song, you know, Top Gun and Danger Zone, bah, 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 right into the danger zone, you know, that or um, just all sorts of uh, huge hits Kenny Loggins had. And he was played with uh, Jimmy Messina. So before Kenny Loggins was a solo artist, he was a duo with Jim Messina. So it was Loggins and Messina and Jimmy Messina lived in Santa Barbara, my hometown. And when I worked at the radio station, I was doing these shows that were called students for self-esteem. And they, we did these every year and it was this big event in town and we would get all the local celebrities. And I worked at the radio station and I, since I was a DJ, I would help host the events and I would do a little opening stand-up comedy and Terry James, who was another one of the DJs and Mark Avery, the, the three of us would get up there and we'd do stand-up and stuff. It was for kids. It was for high school students all over uh, Santa Barbara. And it was a way to uh, fill them up and, and give them self-esteem, show them the importance of self-esteem, show them the importance of who they are and pursuing their dreams. This was way back in the 80s, man. This was way back then. And at that time, so I got to work with a lot of these wonderful celebrities like Jimmy Messina, Anthony Edwards, uh, Kenny Loggins, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her husband, Brad Hall. And uh, so all these wonderful people came and donated their time because they lived in Santa Barbara and they came and spoke at this event and I was always a speaker as well. And so I met Jimmy Messina there and Jimmy had a recording studio. And so he needed somebody to do some transfers of, he had these, so we had tapes, uh, you know, we would call pancakes. They were these giant reel to reels. You ever seen, well, if you watch something old where people, the way we used to record things, it wasn't on the computer, it was on tape. And there were these giant, what they called a pancake, because it looked like a big pancake, these big circles with tape spooled up on it, you know, almost like a, a gigantic cassette player is basically what it was. And you had like eight track and the multi-track recorders were, you know, eight track, 16 track, 24 track, four track, you know, all these different tracks. So at the radio station, we had like eight tracks and four tracks, but Jimmy had, you know, a professional recording studio with a 48 track system and everything. And he wanted all of his masters transferred to tape, uh, to another tape, to like down to two track masters, 
So he was, he was cataloging stuff. And back then, you know, we didn't have all this digital technology. So he hired me to come in and I would transfer things to digital audio tape. Again, DAT tape, which is redundant. Remember, we talked about that before. Digital audio tape. They were these little cassettes, but they were really high quality. So I would go and I would go to Jimmy's studio and I would transfer this stuff. And because he had an engineer there that he paid and was a regular, you know, full-time engineer. Not like Hank, but uh, a real guy, uh, Juan, and he was a great guy. Juan and Amy, and they both work there at Jimmy's studio. And so they would hire me to come in and do these tapes. Well, I'm hanging out in this beautiful recording studio. And I'm like, you know, what, 19, 20 years old at the time, doing all the transfers of all this stuff. And they, because they're a recording studio and they would get hired for various people would rent out their studio space. There was this Japanese company that was hiring their studio to do language tapes for kids that would learn to speak English in Japan. They were, they were American language tapes for kids in Japan. So they needed voice actors and they knew I wanted to be a voice actor. They knew I could do a bunch of voices because I was already working at the radio station in town doing all these voices on all the commercials and stuff. I should pull up, I should try to find some of my old commercials and play them for you all for at some point. You can hear my voice when I was like, you know, 18 years old. It, it doesn't sound much different actually, but uh, maybe just sped up just a little bit. It probably is just right about there. That's probably my voice when I was... 18, it was probably like that. So, you know, that's again, the beauty of being a voice actor where you really understand your voice and how it works. You can just pitch it up a little, you know? So when I was younger, that's what I would sound like. Oh, and that's a whole other, you know what? That's a whole other topic for, I want to touch on later. Hopefully I'll remember it. So Jimmy uh, says, look, we're going to, this, this Japanese company's coming in to do these tapes. Do you want to be uh, one of the actors in it? I said, Absolutely. And it pays like, you know, a hundred bucks a day or something. And I was like, that's fantastic. I was about to get married, you know, all this stuff. So, so uh, we go in to do these language tapes and they were really basic stuff. I still have them somewhere uh, here. They're cassette tapes. I should probably transfer them, but you know, it's like, Timmy is going to cross the street. Do you see the crosswalk? Crosswalk. And, you know, and so you'd learn to say the words, Michael has a red ball, ball, you know, and you'd repeat after. So if you were learning English. So I am one of the voices. So this company was also going to start getting into video games. Now this was, you know, I mean, again, we're talking about the late 80s, early 90s. Games were very new. I think at the time I had a Sega Genesis. And uh, so they were just finally, you know, they, the technology to put voices in stuff and all too, that was pretty new. But anyways, so they had this game that was going to be on computers. And it was, a, it was called Emmet, E-M-I-T. Emmett. And they wanted me to play the lead character. So I played, that was the very first video game I ever did. This again, I think this was, this was probably 1990, maybe 1991 at this point, right about when I got married. And so the game was Emmett. Now, do you know why it was Emmett? Because it was time spelled backwards. And what it was, this was way before the curious case of Benjamin Button and everything. If you know that movie, it's about a guy that ages backwards. This was, I was a character that aged backwards. So at the very beginning of the game, I had to play an old man and I was doing this older voice. And then I had to progressively get younger and younger throughout the game to where finally at, you know, I'm in my twenties and then I'm even younger than that. And then by the end, I'm just like a little kid. And so that was it. And then I think eventually they got a little kid 
to actually do the really young voice. You know, that was the, the, and so we aged backwards. And so I was the star of this game and it was called Emmett. And there you go. And I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I remember we recorded all the scenes together, me and the other actors. But because it was a, a Japanese company having us do this, it was kind of like anime. Everything, they, the acting was very kind of stilted. Like they would have us speak things very, you know, much like this. So I would talk a little more like this. Um, and I always regret that. I always like, oh man, I'd like to go back and like just act it normal. But I, I think I was kind of, I was directed that way too. So anyway, so I did that. I did more language tapes for them throughout uh, the early 90s. And then there was this game called Destrega that came out. And uh, that was another one. So before Final Fantasy, before I was Tetis, I was in a game called Destrega and I was a character named Team. And it was T-I-E-M-E, I believe. Let's see. I'm going to... Strega. Whoops. Destrega. Ooh, look at this. There's actually gameplay of the entire game of Destrega. Oh, my word. So, let's see. It came out... So, Destrega came out in 1998. Let me look on uh, Wikipedia. And I was... I was a character named Team. Yeah. As a leader of the resistance, Team strives to defeat Zauber and re- that's right, Zauber, and restore his country to its former glory. Long ago, he was a knight for one of the loyal families before Zauber took control. Team has gathered the remaining knights who oppose Zauber and has knit them into a small fighting force. Strega Power, Swords Aura. That's my oh, my Strega Power was Swords Aura. So okay, so Team, Team was this character that you know what's really funny. He looked like Titus and he's got these big swords. It's really wild that here I did. Oh yeah, look at that. It says uh, James Taylor, ending of Destrega. There, there's my name. Destrega. I think I still have my disc of Destrega. It was for PlayStation. It was for the original PlayStation. So if any of you, some of you may actually know this game and I was the character team and you have to look it up. So Google Destrega, which is spelled D-E-S-T-R-E-G-A and Team, his name is spelled T-I-E-M-E. And you'll see him. He looks like Titus from Final Fantasy. And guess what? He sounds like him too. <laughs> because it's me. Let's see. Let me see if I can uh let me see if I can find any of it. Wow, this is uh this is crazy. I gotta see if I can find team in here. A great reputation. And we're told that you would hear us out. Is that so? Well, out with it then. What is it you want? We want you to help us defeat Zauber. Of all the crazy... <laughs> and just how do you two plan to defeat the mighty Zauber? <laughs> it's very, uh, very stilted in its, in its play. And everything I said was like this. And then the computer was slow. You know, it was all new technology, so it didn't flow very well. Like, you know, that you'd hear that. They'd say a line, and then there'd be this big pause. And then I'd say... Ha <laughs> ha, you're crazy. <laughs> it was so bad. But it really is funny because it is kind of like pre-Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy. It's it's pretty wild. So anyways, that was some of my very first work. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there's... Let me look. I'm going to look and see if there's uh, anything on Emmett. Let's see. Is this... Oh. 
Yeah, my character's name. Look at this. I found online the Japanese version of this Emmett one. Yuri is just a 17 year old high school girl, and the man looked over 60. Yeah, look at this. This is great. I can see it. But it's it's the uh, it's the Japanese version. I don't know if there's a. Be great to find uh, the American version. Let's see. Sega Sa- it was for the Sega Saturn. That's what it was. Sega Saturn. It was Emmett. Let's see. Is this the English version? What's the date today? Oh my gosh, it's me. I found this. This is oh, this is amazing. Okay, this is amazing. I found Emmett. This is back from 19, 1994. I did this game. Okay. Uh, which means I recorded it probably in 93. Um so yeah, okay, check this out. This is me doing that character I was talking about. Listen. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me, miss? Me? May I ask you something, miss? What month and what year are we in, may I ask? Okay, 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 now I'm remembering this. All right, so it's like it was a, it was a language game to help kids learn English. So that's why we had to speak really kind of stilted like that. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. And then they would ask questions like here. I say, okay. What did the old man ask first? The date, the time, the name. See? Okay. So then that was, they asked that and then you had to choose which one it was within the thing. But this was, yeah. Okay. And then I get younger. So then I'm the younger. Although I don't sound that old to me when I'm listening to this back now. I'm like, wow, I don't. I could sound a lot better now. But uh, anyways, okay, so then this is when she comes and meets him again. And now it's the same guy, but he's younger and she can't recognize him and all of that. Check this out. Emmett. Yuri is surprised to hear that familiar voice at the same crossing as before. I thought it was you. Do you remember about a month ago you met a man? Yes, he asked me about a watchmaker's near here. But he was... Good. I'm glad you remember it. Can I talk to you again? I have something to tell you. Yuri likes his voice. Was the man who spoke to me at the crossing your father? No, it was me. You're kidding. Oh, that's my friend Danny Wheeler. Danny did uh, voices with me on that. That's great. You must have been in disguise. You did a good job. No, I wasn't in disguise. I have simply grown older. The same man? The old man I saw sure looks like this guy. But this guy must be 20 or 30 years younger. I'm from another world. What? And that world of mine and this world are connected by several hidden tunnels. That's, uh, that's really funny. You can find that on YouTube. Emmett, E-M-I-T, Volume 1, Tokino Maigo, 1994, Sega Saturn Long Play HD. And, and if, you, if you do, if you watch it, I mean, it's an hour. Uh, it is me playing this guy. <laughs> So we were speaking really slow and stuff because they were using these as ways of teaching kids English. So we had to be very kind of, that, that, that was the point of these games. They weren't necessarily to be put out in the States as much as they were to be used to teach Japanese children how to speak English. So everything was very stilted and like this. But so, yeah, so that's me after. So he was an old man, then he gets younger. And there's, you can even see they credit me. All right, anyways. Some of my first voiceover work and, uh, and the fact that it's on YouTube, of course it's on YouTube. So you can, you can hear me doing this really bad uh, voiceover there. Little did I know.
Little did I know all those years ago, back in 1992 or and such. But uh, anyway, so that's you know that's how it started for me though too. Is that is that ability to work at a, a studio and then get my way in? You know, so a lot of you kind of ask, you know, how do you get into voiceover? It's different for everybody. For me, it was very specific. I knew I wanted to do it. I went after it. But at the time, voiceover was really not something that everybody did. And the style of it was different. And, you know, it's changed so much over the last 20 years. So there you go. Hey, so what do you say we take some of your emails? Yay! Okay, Bob. Hey, Bob, 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 Bob. Just a minute. What? Now you're not coming in? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just kidding, James. Oh, okay. I don't know what was going on with everybody. Well, well no, it was, it was like uh, Hank said, no, we don't want to disturb him. And so everybody just uh, stayed there. And even if he calls, you just say no. Well, Hank, you know, I think Hank was actually pulling a, a joke on all of you. Oh, well, he probably was in dee. All right. Well, Bob, so many emails, so many people have gone to jamesarnoldtaylor.com, clicked on the chat show link, chose a topic, the Jatcast podcast. There's many other topics you can choose there and you because you can ask me many different questions and then sent their things in. And that is awesome that people have done that. And people can do that now. Go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com, click on the Jack Show link, choose a topic, the Jack Cast podcast, and send me a question, a uh, comment, or anything. We get, I think, more than anything, Bob. Don't you think we get more comments than questions? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. I think most people are just wanting to say how much they enjoy what you're doing and and, and thank you uh, for it. That's right. And it's lovely. So, so many of you that have been sending me these, thank you. I'm a little behind on, on sending out responses right now, so please bear with me. I try. I do see them all. Uh, so I can assure you, I've read this. And some some people had asked in the past, you know, and kind enough because I had mentioned on earlier podcasts how I didn't know if people were getting them. People would say, no, I haven't gotten anything from you. Well, all of those ones I checked, and thus far, I hadn't uh, sent any to any of those people. So if you were one of those people that said, James, I never got a response from you, it's because I hadn't sent a response, which I'm sorry, I'm still trying to send responses to everybody and still catch up with everybody. But there are literally um, a couple thousand emails in this in-bin now, and there's a lot to go through. (laughs) So we do our best, don't we, Bob? Oh, yeah, oh, yes, we do. In fact, uh, this one's uh, an older one here uh, from uh, Brett in the USA. Brett from the USA. What does Brett say? Brett says, um, okay, my question to you is, uh, what tips can you offer for taking care of your voice, both long and short term? And, second question, how many and which musical instruments can you play well? More to follow, Jet. Thanks for a truly inspirational and spirit-filled podcast. Don't let anyone talk you into watering it down. Thank you, Brett, from the USA. All right, so your question is, what tips can I share taking care of your voice long and short term? Well, tip number one, I think everybody knows, water, 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 right? In fact, ah, that's good water. All right, drink your water. And then uh, these, this is from a company um, named Zand, Z-A-N-D. And they're these little um, lozenges. I'm actually going to have one. All right. So if you have a lozenge, feel free to enjoy a a lozenge with me. 
Okay. Sorry. I know some people get really grossed out by the sounds of people eating and stuff. So if you're one of those people, I apologize. I will try not to make too much noise with it. I was just doing that to show you that I have a little lozenge because my throat is dry right now. It's been very cold out here in California, IA, uh, in the 40s and stuff. I know you're going, James, that's not cold. Well, for us, that's very cold. What it does is it dries you out. So I use these lozenges a lot because they're made with eucalyptus and brown rice syrup. So not sugar or honey or anything. And uh, so they're not as overly sweet and the sugar, you know, all that stuff. And so I use them and, and they're quite good. The eucalyptus is really the greatest part about it because it really gets up into your sinus, helps moisturize the sinuses. That's your biggest key is taking care of your voice well in that regard, short term, long term, both is making sure that you always have enough moisture within your sinus and your throat and also making sure you're drinking enough water, you're staying hydrated and that you're not doing anything that is going to hurt your voice. No voices that are going to hurt your voice, okay? Like the Gilbert Gottfried one that I did several episodes back where I did uh, Obi-Wan as Gilbert Gottfried. That shredded my voice a little for the next day. That night, my voice was sore because I did, you know, like, what was it, like six minutes straight just doing this over and over, you know, it's it's because you have to get that gravel in your throat to do Gilbert. So, so you want to do things that are not going to harm your voice. And if you have to do them, you do them for very short bursts. And when you do do them, <laughs> do do them, you make sure you breathe right. So breathing is so important. Water and breathing so important, not just to life like I give you all the time for everything, but also for voiceover. Really important stuff because it helps you be able to use your voice properly. You learn that proper diaphragm control. That's going to help you if you're doing a voice where you need to shout, you need to shout dialogue, you need to do screaming, yelling, you know, fighting, all those kinds of sound effects and stuff. You always want to be able to pull from your diaphragm when you do that. I always, when I'm in the booth and I'm thinking about if I'm doing a video game or something where I have to do those sounds, I always stop first, you know, like, so they'll slate. For those of you that don't understand. So when you're in the recording studio and you're there and the directors and the engineers and everybody and the producers are all behind the glass there on the other side of the booth and you're in the booth, they will say, okay, this is James Arnold Taylor reading as Obi-Wan Kenobi, line 17 through 21, take one. And then that's your cue and then you go in and you do it. So if I'm doing that and they're saying, you know, um, the Flash has to run, jump, fall, I'm doing Lego Flash, for example, and they say, okay, Flash has got to run, jump and fall and then scream the line, I'm on my way. And they slate it like that, you know. Here we go, James Earl Taylor has a flash. This is scene two, lines 17 through 20, take one. I pause. I remember to reset my body because what happens is voice actors and everything, we want to please everybody. We come in and we just want to jump in and just do it. I pause, I reset, I remember. Pull from the diaphragm, James, because you're about to do something athletic. Doing voices like that, screaming and yelling and all of that stuff and screaming dialogue and falling and all those sounds. It, it requires athleticism and it requires you using your stomach muscles, your air from your diaphragm properly, not hurting your shoulders, your neck, your throat. There's a lot to it. So I would pause and then, huh? All right. Well, uh, let's go. You know, whatever the line, I can't remember what line I said, but you know, I'm just giving you an example. I really, so when I'm doing that, I'm not straining my voice because I'm, it's all coming from down deep. Now, if I have to do it over and over and over again, it becomes a strain. But the point is to not. So to, to pull from there, always remember that. Be in control of your body when you're doing voiceover. Same with singing. It's the same. I mean, it really is the same thing. If you're a singer, 
it's the same stuff. If you're a singer that wants to be a voice actor, or if you're somebody that wants to do voice acting, but you've done singing in the past and you understand the concept of air and dynamics and control and all of that, it's the same thing. Most voice acting is very musical anyways. You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi has a, has a certain tone to him. And though he might go here and then he might come down here and then he might go up here, you know, Fred Flintstone's going to be the same thing. <laughs> you know, there's just a musicality to all of it. So that would be, Brett, that would be my suggestion is to know that. And from the sounds of it, you're asking if I play, uh, uh, which musical instruments do I play well? I'm guessing maybe you are musical as well. So just think of your voiceover work as just like musical work. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, uh, well, I played the saxophone for many years when I was a young man. I don't really play uh, anymore. I kind of lost my lip. For those of you that know, uh, read instruments like that, you know, you really have to work your lip up and everything and to get your, your amateur, the way you hold the, the mouthpiece in your mouth and blowing and stuff. And I've kind of lost it because it's been so many years. I still remember all the fingering, you know, for the, the keys and the notes, but lost my lip. And that's the, the main key to really being able to play sax well. But I, I used to play the sax well. I used to play it in uh, bar bands and stuff when I uh, was out of school. I, I'd play in cover bands and things. And, and I played in marching band and jazz band and all of that uh, when I was in school, as I've mentioned before on the show. I play the piano, but I play by ear. I don't, I don't, uh, I can read music. I know how to read music. I know how to write music, but I generally, if I write songs on the piano, which I do from time to time, I do it all by ear and I just kind of play what I'm feeling. My daughter who is, has been classically trained and since she was five years old, she's been playing the piano. She's always fascinated that I sit down and I just play stuff and I just kind of make it up as I go. So I don't know if I play the piano well. I mean, I guess I do. I've got a piano here in the office and I sit down and play a lot and I enjoy it. I wish I could play better. I just saw a thing on online where Harry Connick Jr. can teach you how to play piano. I thought, oh, I should check that out because I don't play the traditional way. Like, again, like my daughter can sit down and play a piece of Beethoven or something. You know, she can look at the music and play it. I can't do that. Even though I can read music, I'm not trained to play the piano like that because it's different than playing the saxophone or the flute or the clarinet. So I could play pretty much any of the wind instruments that are those same fingerings. But uh, I'm, again, very out of practice on all of it. So, but I enjoy it. I love music. Always wished I could have played the guitar, but I think when I was like seven, I took a guitar lesson, but my hands were so small and the guitar was so big, it just didn't work. So there you go. But anyways, uh, thank you, Brett. Thanks for your question. Oh, yes, that was a very good, James. All right. Just some honorable mentions here, Bob. I'm noticing you kind of flag, you have a system where you flag the emails. Oh, yes, I have different color coordinators for ones for the, the, that you need to uh, read and, and hopefully respond to. And then ones that we will read on the show are different colors. Those are green flags. And then the purple flag is for ones that people have written a nice message. And we have a lot of purple flags up. Yes, that don't necessarily need to be answered on the show, but that you can uh, write back to and answer in some way. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I was just uh, looking through some of these. Jeanette, Griffin, Joey, Jessica, Kimberly... Kevin, Stephen, different names I'm seeing of people that have written some very nice uh, emails and they're flagged there that I want to get back to. So do not fear, folks. I will do my best to get back to you, all of you. Yes. Well, now we have one from uh, You Said Griffin. Well, that one I'm going to read. Oh, okay, great. This is from uh, Griffin. Yes, in in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Griffin in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina for a time, Griffin. Lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I worked at a radio station back, way back when I was 21. That was like 30, almost 30 years ago. Almost 30 years ago. It's amazing. All right. What's your question, Griffin? 
Hi, James. Well, uh, Griffin, uh, Griffin, well, Griffin's only 12. Wow. Good for you, Griffin. Enjoy being 12. All right, Bob, what's he say? He says, hey, James, I love your podcast so much, and I love that you talk about your own life and Christianity. Well, thanks, Griffin. I'm only 12, and you are helping me along on my journey to the promised land. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Yes, it says, I have been complimented for being a good voice actor, even though I have never had a gig. So I would like to ask you, when did you know what you were going to do with your life? Even if you don't put this on the podcast, please email me back. I would love to talk slash email with you. Thank you for all that you do and best wishes for you, your wife, and your daughter. Griffin. First off, Griffin, I compliment you on a very well-written email. You're 12 years old and you know etiquette as to how to... uh, write something. Uh, very nice. You got a beginning, a middle and an end. You're, you're very kind. It's all well written. The punctuation's great. It's, it's like you, you didn't miss a beat. Good for you, Griffin. That's a great email. Well, so when did I know what I was going to do with my life? Well, again, if you, uh, so Griffin, I don't know if you've seen on my YouTube channel, my video, I put it out a couple weeks ago, well, a few weeks ago now, um, called how I chose to become a voice actor. And that's a little animated short story and I narrate it and I tell the whole story of how I wanted to be a doctor and then I decided, no, I want to be an entertainer after this whole thing happened. And that's what the story on the on the video is. So all of you that have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Go out there and check out the how I chose to become a voice actor video on my YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. It was animated by Joe Hogan, my friend. Anyways, so once when I that was when I was four years old, Griffin, and once I decided I wanted to be an entertainer, it very quickly became, no, I want to specifically be a voice actor because I had been watching Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, all of those. And then I remember seeing Mel Blanc on television and them talking about him and what he did. And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to do cartoons. I want to create characters. And so it was a very young age that I knew what I loved. So I guess that that's kind of the thing. What do you love and what are you good at? And are they the same? Or is there parts of what you love that you're good at or anything? So you can find things because like you could, for example, um, say I loved animation like I did, but I couldn't really do voices. Well, I also love to draw. So I might have gone into drawing animation, but I just knew I loved animation. I loved cartoons. I loved all that storytelling. But thankfully for me, I could do the voices and was drawn to it. So whatever you're drawn to, you've been told that you're a good voice actor. That's very nice. So I'm guessing you like voice acting and and want to do it. So if so, I would say just pursue it with a passion. Figure out things that you want to do. And, you know, it's never been easier for a young person like yourself to put something together and start your own little career doing this within your even your own community or on your you could have a YouTube channel where you do it you could you know all you need is you know an iPhone or a iPod or something with a ability to record on it and you can start doing these things so that's what I would I would recommend doing if you like it just do as much of it as you can now get comic books and read them out loud if you don't have your own original stories get books that you like you know and read them out loud like the How to Train Your Dragon books or uh, Chris Colfer's Land of Stories. There's all sorts of great, you know, and of course the classics, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. All of these books and then Dr. Seuss and stuff, you can get them and start reading them out loud and recording yourself and just listening and seeing different characters and coming up with different characters and experimenting and just trying different things. And remember, it never hurts to try stuff. That's brainstorming. That's all part of it. It doesn't mean you have to play it for everybody else. 
but you can you can do these things and become inspired but also learn so i used to get i had a you know back in back when i was 12 i had this gigantic tape recorder it was these cassette tapes they called them and they were these cassettes and you put them in this recorder and it was a big old thing we called it a boom box and you put it in and you put it in record and there was like a built-in microphone on it and it sounded terrible but it was just i would just do little stories on there i would do my own versions of the twilight zone or whatever and i would I would do these characters or I would do a lot of like what I do on the show here where I just have conversations with other characters. So that's certainly something you could do, but you could do it, like I say, with comic books or whatever you whatever you find to tell to help tell the story if you don't write the stories yourself. But if you write the stories yourself, that's great. So I so appreciate your letter, Griffin. I appreciate you giving the best wishes to me, my wife and my daughter. And our best wishes are to you and our prayers are to you. And I thank you for uh, enjoying that uh, I talk about my Christianity. Again, I never try to push it on anybody, but I, I do believe that there's a lot of people that don't fully understand Christianity and what it's really all about and what the true belief is. And that when someone is truly walking in their faith, they are not judging of others. They are not condemning of others. They are loving of all mankind, meaning all humanity, and they do their best to help others wherever they can, however they can, whenever they can, in every way. And that's what I try to do. So God bless you, my friend. And and I, I'm glad that people that aren't Christian listen to this show so they can learn about it and maybe be a little more educated. And then just like I try to educate myself on what other people believe. So always know you can always educate yourself on whatever you believe, but know what you believe, Griffin. And, and know it and hold it true in your heart and it will always be with you. As a fellow Christian, I would say, you know, the truth that you know is, is God is in your heart. God is with you. Holy Spirit is with you and Christ is with you. So just embrace that always and know that you're never alone. You always have that friend with you and you can go to him with anything, anytime. And I'm your friend and I'm here for you too. And I thank you for writing to me and I'm glad I can answer your email here. All right, Bob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That was wonderful. Thanks. Very good. Okay. This one is from Kimberly in Perth, Australia. Kimberly in Perth, Australia. I was actually uh, supposed to go to Perth uh, a couple uh, year or so ago. Yeah, no, as a matter of fact, that's what she's talking about, that exact thing right here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Kimberly says, hi, James. I admit I'm actually very behind on your podcast. Sorry, I'm trying to catch up. That's okay. Look, I know there's a lot of podcasts. I put them out every week. I've considered putting them out every other week just because, you know, I know people have to try to catch up and they're long. They're 90 minutes. They're not short. But I know many of you also love getting them every week. But depending on how busy my my con schedule gets this this year, I may at some points end up doing one every other week. You know, we'll see. Unless all of you just start screaming at me to not do that. <laughs> okay. Sorry, uh, Bob, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, yes, it says, uh, um, I was listening to the conventions you're attending in 2019, and I'm reminded of uh, one year, 2016 or so, where you were in the lineup for Perth Supernova in Australia. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, yes, and you had to cancel last minute. Well, I, you know, it came out like I had to cancel last minute. The truth was, that was uh, something with my manager. I had never committed to the con to begin with because I knew my work schedule was going to be extremely busy, but there was a mix-up and they thought I had committed, but I hadn't committed and I felt terrible about it because I did not want to disappoint those wonderful, wonderful folks at the Australian Supernova cons. And so it was a, it was a terrible um, mistake there. And uh, anyways... Well, I know guests have many, many reasons for canceling, be it illness or personal issues, but was there a time that you've 
had to cancel where you've been extra disappointed about not being able to make it for a commitment. I'd love to hear about it if you're comfortable sharing. For the record, I'd love to meet you and give you a fist bump or hug or perhaps get some sort of unorthodox autograph so you don't have to give yourself tendinitis on the con circuit. <laughs> well, no, I don't mind writing. I can I can write an autograph. It's fine. <laughs> thank you, Kimberly. All of this is a very long email, but I would like to end with saying thank you for all of your encouragement and prayers. I'm sure I'll email again soon, but very exciting things are unwinding in my life and some of that is due to your inspiring words. With much love and gratitude, Kimberly. Well, Kimberly, that's wonderful. And, uh, Yes, yeah, so you're asking if I've ever been uh, disappointed to have to cancel or something about not being able to make something, uh, a commitment. Yeah, you know, uh, for example, that one in Australia, I was very upset that the con itself thought I had committed because my manager conveyed the wrong information to them. And it was, you know, I don't I don't blame my manager. My manager has uh, hundreds of clients and it was a, it was a mix up and he thought his he or his staff thought that they had gotten a yes from me, but it was a no. And they told them yes, and then we ended up having to cancel it last minute, I guess, as you would say. But in my mind, I had never agreed to go. So that was a huge disappointment because, for one, I just do not like letting people down. And I took that very personal. I felt as though because somewhere in in the line there, things got conveyed wrong and then people got disappointed. Now, I will say there is a possibility that I might be coming back to Australia this year. We'll keep you posted on all of that. So hopefully that will happen because I've always wanted to go to Australia and it was it was a really tough time of year and I could because I have all my other work that I had and commitments I had and I just wasn't able to make it. So that one was one where I really was uh, very upset that I could not make the commitment. And, you know, what do you do with those? I personally, I give them up in prayer. And I just hope for the best and I pray for everybody and I try to be as open and honest as I can. Just like being honest about it here. You know, I mean, I could just say, oh yeah, I had to cancel last minute. But the truth was, is it, it was a mix up and it was a very unfortunate mix up. And that happens from time to time, but hopefully it won't happen anymore here because we got a lot of cons coming up. So Kimberly, I appreciate your thoughts and I hope to see you there. I hopefully I will come out to Australia at some point and you'll be able to make it. If I do. Alrighty. So be, keep listening to the show. And I so appreciate your, your email and I look forward to uh, more from you in the future. God bless you. And I'm excited about all of the exciting things that are happening in your life. And I'm thrilled that my words could inspire you in some way. So God bless you. All right, Bob, it seems like that is all the time we've got for the show because we want to still do a little ending here with something clever from one of the characters. Oh yeah, oh, de- definitely. Yes. Yeah. So uh, hopefully people will uh, write to you at uh, jamesarnoldtaylor.com, click on the chat show link, and then choose a topic in the drop-down menu and choose the Jatcast podcast and then send an email and it might just get read on the show. Look at you doing a little commercial for it. Well, yes, indubbidi-dee, indubbidi-doo. All right, Bob, thanks for coming in. I'm glad you actually came in as opposed to everybody else. Oh, I'm always here for you, James. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Bob. Bye-bob. Bye-bob, bye-bye. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we're wrapping up on the show. I hope you've all been enjoying this little thing I'm doing at the end now. So at the end of the show to keep you all listening and entertained because hopefully 90 minutes is uh, not too long for all of you. But also, you know, on that note, let me know uh, if you all would be terribly disappointed if I went to a bi-weekly podcast because I might have to throughout the summertime at least. So what I'm trying to do now is catch up on as many of them as I can so I can be ahead. So I don't have to do that, but it could be helpful because I have so many cons coming up and conventions coming up 
and it's hard to record. I certainly can't record them on the road as easily. I could, I guess, but it's it's just not going to be as easy. Although maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll try some of them in my hotel rooms and stuff while I'm away at the cons. Maybe that'll be fun. We'll see. It's not going to sound as good, but you know, whatever. All right, so let's bring in Mr. Announcer Guy to do the legal stuff to get it out of the way so we can get to the end of the show. What do you say? Oh, Mr. Announcer Guy. Oh, yes, James. You want to do that uh, legal stuff there? See, you know, we're talking about doing that. You got to do your little spiel. Talking to myself, James, I don't say the podcast. Yes, that's what I say. Talking to myself, the James, I don't say the podcast. Well, you know what I mean. I do. I'm just giving you a bad time. Well, thank you. So what's the voice you're going to do at the end of the show? You want me to tell you now before you do this? Yeah, man, let's set it up. All right, well, so, you know, Fred Flintstone has not paid a visit to the show yet, and I've been the voice of Fred Flintstone for many years, off and on. Lots of stories there. I should tell some Fred Flintstone stories at some point on the show. But uh, I thought it'd be funny to do uh, Fred Flintstone speaking words to a song. And again, I try to do songs that relate to the characters. So Fred Flintstone is a caveman. So I thought this one would be for my wife because my wife, now many of you may not know this. Most of you probably don't know this because I've never mentioned it. My wife is a big Def Leppard fan, huge Def Leppard fan. It's funny, if you know my wife, she's very quiet, she's very reserved, she's very sweet, and yet she loved Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, all the big hair bands and and the, the rock bands of the 80s and 90s, and Def Leppard is her favorite. She's seen Def Leppard in concert. I think, I guess maybe I did mention that. I've, I got her tickets to a Def Leppard concert uh, once with uh, Def Leppard and Journey at the Hollywood Bowl and got her right up close to the front and everything. And she was thrilled it was for her birthday. She went with her friend Cassie. So uh, we're big Def Leppard fans here in the house. And I thought Fred Flintstone should uh, sing a song about rock. So uh, Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. Not the, uh, you know, Christian church song Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. No, not that one. Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. So for you now, that's what I'm... Well, if Mr. Announcer, you got to do the legal stuff. Yeah, I know, man. I was just waiting for you to finish your whole thing with the thing. Okay, so I've set it up. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Fred Flintstone reading Rock of Ages on the James Arnold Taylor podcast. But first, give us those ending credits, Mr. Announcer Guy. You got it, James. Talking to myself, the James Arnold Taylor podcast is a production of YumiGo Inc. Recorded at Chat Studios. Engineered, written, recorded, and produced by, you guessed it, James Arnold Taylor. All voices are parody and should be construed as entertainment only. All music and sound effects used with permissions and licenses through backtracks, digital juice, production tracks, and partners in rhyme. James Arnold Taylor's Talking Myself, the podcast, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Well done. High five. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, there we go. You're tall. You're small. That's right. Okay, thanks, Mr. Announcer Guy. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. All right, buddy. No, no, I'm buddy. Okay. So for you all now, Fred Flintstone to close us out on the James Arnold Taylor podcast, reading Def Leppard's Rock of Ages. Guten, Glieben, Glauten, Globen, Bonnie! All right. I got something to say, Mr. Slate. Yeah, it's better to burn out than fade away, Wilma! All right. Now, gonna start a fire. Come on. Rise up, gather round, rock this place to the ground. Burn it up, let's go for broke. Watch the night go up in smoke. Rock on. <laughs> rock on, Fred. Drive me crazy, Ed Dino. 
No serenade, no fire brigade, just a pyromania post-fruity pebble cereal. <laughs> what do you want? I want rock and roll, Bonnie. Yes, I do. Long live, rock and roll, Fred. Let's go. Let's strike a light. We're gonna blow like dinorific pebbles. I don't care if it takes all night. I'm gonna set this town alight. What do you want? I want rock and roll, Bonnie. Long live, rock and roll, Fred. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. Still rolling, keep a rolling. Rock of ages, rock of ages, still rolling, rock and rolling. We've got the power, Bonnie. Got the glory. Just say you need it, and if you need it, say yeah, damn, but do. <laughs> there it is. Not the whole lyrics, but you know, and a little a little cameo from Barney Rubble there too. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the James Arnold Taylor podcast. We'll see you next week. Hear you next week. Talk to you next. I don't know. You know what I mean. Bye bye, Fred. Bye bye, Barney. Yeah, but they do. See you later, there, James. <laughs> we'll uh, see you later, James. Yeah, but bye bye.